Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. School is back in session after winter break, just as COVID-19 has surged to record high levels in California. And it's causing a lot of disruption in schools across the Bay Area. So we are seeing a lot of uh, students out sick and a lot of teachers out sick. That's our biggest struggle right now is just the high numbers of absences across the district. Today, a snapshot of the Bay Area's first week back at school. I think it's safe to say that across the country, it's really been a bit of a mess. Vanessa Roncano is an education reporter for KQED. It really varies school to school. So I've checked in with some parents and teachers who will tell me at their site there aren't a ton of absences. Things are more or less status quo. And then I'll talk to other teachers and parents who say, you know, it's close to half of the staff that's out and central office administrators are filling in, counselors, librarians, literacy coaches are filling in for teachers who are out. Teachers are having to cover for their colleagues during their prep periods. In some cases, classes are being combined. So teachers talk to me about like having a group of fifth graders in a first grade class or just things that make the job um, much more challenging. And then you add to that these really widespread student absences. Teachers feel like they really can't teach. Jeez, yeah. I was just, I mean, I was just going to say, like, I can't imagine very much learning is kind of going on in any of these places where both students and staff are out with COVID. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's absolutely a concern that both teachers and parents have raised. How are school districts in the Bay Area responding to this surge and this disruption during this first week back? In response to these widespread teacher shortages and student absences, I mean, we've seen districts do a few different things. Some districts have closed either for a couple days or in the case of Hayward Unified, they've decided to go virtual for a week. And we've seen charter schools, private schools choose to close for a couple weeks. Last Wednesday, West Contra Costa Unified School District announced that schools would be closed Friday and Monday of this week. They were dubbing these sort of smoke days. 
So they're referring to them as smoke days because these are familiar to us from wildfire season and schools closing when air quality is just so bad that they determine that it's unsafe for kids to be on campus. Tuesday, students did go back, but I will say I know of at least one middle school where parents got a letter from teachers saying the teachers would be out the rest of the week, that this situation was just unsustainable. That's our biggest struggle right now, is just the high numbers of absences uh, across the district. Early last week, I interviewed Marissa Glidden, who's the president of United Teachers of Richmond, and she was very concerned. You know, I think you can hear it in her voice, not just about the immediate impact, but the long term you know, this month is going to be really hard and I don't know what's going to happen. And then my biggest concern is long term. What are we doing to our teachers? Will we have anybody left to teach after this year? The rates of retirement and resignation have been so much higher than normal during this pandemic. Districts already were facing staffing shortages, right? So they just had sort of unfilled positions that were regularly being filled either by substitutes or, again, by support staff on campus or maybe central office staff. And this latest wave of absences is just piling on. How do we function safely and keep kids safe? And how do we teach them? You know, we talk about the importance of them being in school so they don't have learning loss and our teachers really want to be in school with their kids. But how do we teach? How do we teach a class when you've got this situation where you have no teachers? Okay, so that was last Wednesday. West Contra Costa announced these two smoke days we were just talking about. And the next day, on Thursday, San Francisco Unified Teachers staged a sick-out. What, what was that, and what were they trying to accomplish? Yeah, so this was not a union-sanctioned action. This was, you know, a quote-unquote wildcat sick-out. So this was just rank-and-file union members who took it upon themselves to call for this action. And the teachers I talked to who were considering participating really framed it as an act of of desperation. They felt like the public doesn't really understand what it's like in schools right now. And, I mean, basically they want somebody to pay attention, right? And when I asked them, well, who, like, whose attention are you trying to get? Who needs to step up here? In San Francisco, they talked specifically about the mayor. They felt that she had been sort of at odds with the district and really um, hadn't been as helpful as she could be while pressuring the district um, to reopen and to stay open. So they wanted her attention and they wanted some sort of state action, resources from the state to help the district provide widespread, regular testing, universal N95 or KN95 masks at schools. They wanted a reinstatement of the paid COVID sick leave that they'd had access to previously. Um, Those are the primary demands. I mean, did a lot of teachers ultimately participate in that sick out? In San Francisco, there were 
just over 600 teachers. It was 616 teachers out on Thursday. And the rest of the week, that number had hovered around 400. And it did seem to vary school to school. And then there was also a sick out by Oakland teachers too, right? Yeah, the following day. And in that case, it does seem like there was more participation. So the number we got from the district was that 500 teachers were out on Friday, and that was more than two times the absences the district had seen earlier in the week. A dozen schools around the district effectively closed. The the district asked principals to reach out to parents um, the night before this sick out to let them know not to send their kids to school because there weren't going to be teachers on campus. Coming up, it's not just teachers concerned about safety. We'll talk about students in San Francisco and Oakland who are organizing demands of their own. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. I have to imagine it's really hard to be a teacher right now. I'm also thinking about the students who are really bearing the brunt of all this chaos as well, not just in terms of their health, but also their education. And um, I know that by the end of that first week back for many Bay Area public schools, students in Oakland and San Francisco had actually organized and started to put pressure on their districts as well. What have they been asking for, um, kind of starting with San Francisco students here? Monday and Tuesday went by and we started seeing a lot of students talk about being concerned about going to school. So I interviewed Joanna Lamb, who's 18 years old. She's a senior at Lowell High School in San Francisco, and she's a student delegate to the school board. So as a student leader, she decided early on to work with other student leaders to get a survey out to students. So I think it was like by by Tuesday, they started sending this Google survey out to students. And, you know, when I spoke to her, they had gotten more than 3,000 responses. We asked questions like, for example, what are your feelings around moving to virtual school for a period of one to two weeks? And so we had people pick a 
number between one and four on their comfortability. One being, oh, I'm absolutely in favor of this, and four being absolutely not. And they were hearing that students were worried about staying out of school, that they felt pressure not to miss class, but they had big safety concerns. I think students definitely see the drop off in terms of teacher and uh, sub availability, but I think they're mostly concerned about getting the virus themselves or being exposed to so many people that might have it. One of the other things that she said she heard a lot was that there was a frustration with the communication from the district. So students didn't seem to know when tests would be available, where they would be available. They weren't receiving communications often from the district. Their parents received those communications. And in some cases, maybe the parents weren't able to read this communication in English, but the students would have been able to. So early this week, Joanna and other students drafted a letter to the superintendent based on the results of this survey. And they're asking for a few things. So they're asking for better communication around some of those issues that I described. And they're saying for a period of at least two to three weeks until this surge slows down, they want students to have the option to join class remotely. 77.7% of students uh, surveyed strongly supported creating a hybrid option for students who do not feel comfortable learning in person, or for example, having extenuating circumstances that are not health related. They're saying if this hybrid option isn't made available to students, they want them to have excused absences, basically for those who don't feel safe going to school. In the case that a hybrid option is not possible and the current health conditions persist or get worse, we, we want the district to start thinking about the transition to a virtual option if needed. Okay, so that's in San Francisco. And then I know that in Oakland, there's actually a formal petition that's circulating. What are the students signing that petition asking for in Oakland? And is it is it different from what students are asking for in San Francisco? So in Oakland, students started circulating a petition late last week. By now, it's more than 850 students who've signed on to this thing. And they want increased safety measures, N95 or KN95 masks for all students. They want regular testing. One of the other things they're asking for are safe outdoor spaces for students to eat lunch. They're saying that if the district cannot ensure that, they want to see a return to distance learning. And they're actually threatening that these demands are not met by next week. They're going to go on strike. Vanessa, I want to focus on one part of that petition from Oakland students, and that's the idea of going remote again. I think everyone can agree that better access to testing and better access to good masks are important. I mean, I think we're all kind of feeling this. But going back to remote learning, even for a little bit, feels like a really big step that's always been just really contentious throughout this pandemic. Where are people landing on the idea of that right now? Well, nationally, we have seen 
some districts make this decision. Locally, Hayward is the only large district I'm aware of that has made this decision. Milpitas was, you know, announced that they were going to do this temporarily, and then they backtracked after county health officials really did not support them in doing this. But I think that, you know, the context that's important to understand is that in California, we only could do distance learning the last couple of years because of an exemption carved out by lawmakers. And they let that lapse because they really wanted to see a return to in-person instruction. And in fact, they've made it quite difficult for districts to return to distance learning this year. Some people are interested in seeing the governor create some kind of waiver for districts to temporarily move to distance learning, right? Again, it would only be temporary. Our education editor, Julia McAvoy, um, was talking to folks in his office this week, and they're telling KQED that that's not something he's considering right now. I feel I need to ask you, too, Vanessa's, like, what do we know about whether continuing to have school in person is actually safe or not? On that front, I think we've got pretty good evidence that when mitigation protocols are followed, in-school transmission is quite low. This is actually a more controlled environment than a house party over Christmas break, of course. Vaccination numbers are pretty high, right? I mean, very high among teachers, pretty high among students. A lot of people are boosted. So we're in a much better place than we were. But with Omicron, we're seeing a lot of breakthrough infections, right? So one of the principals I talked to, she had like a dozen cases between students and staff the first week back. And she said those were almost all breakthrough cases. And we are seeing more children hospitalized than at any point in the pandemic. So it's a tricky situation. My last question for you, Vanessa, it seems kind of unlikely that COVID will go away anytime soon. And at the same time, this virus has caused so much harm in schools. Where do you think we go from here if COVID is going to be in our lives for a long time in some form or another? That's what we all want to know, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think you hear from school folks and from folks in all walks of life at this point, this sentiment in some corners that this thing is gonna become endemic. It's gonna be more or less like the flu. We're probably gonna have to get semi-regular boosters, but we're gonna have to learn to live with this thing. So I think that's true for schools as much as it is for anywhere else. It's just clearly not gonna be an easy process right like I don't I don't know I just I can't tell you exactly what it's gonna look like but I think yeah the tension between the desire to try to keep people from getting infected and the desire to get on with life you know that's gonna continue well Vanessa thank you so much for your reporting and for um, sharing it with us appreciate it Thanks for having me.
On Tuesday afternoon, Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order that lowers barriers for getting substitute teachers into classrooms. This is on top of what's in his state budget proposal, which includes more money for COVID testing at schools and programs to recruit and keep educators. This episode of The Bay was produced and cut by Alan Montecilio and Christopher Beal. I added the tape and scored this episode. You can find us on Twitter at The Bay KQED. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.